0: Good morning. My name is Sandy Asker, and I'm one of the pastors here. And a few disclaimers this morning. Uh, not only is it festive Christmas Day, but our staff team also had a Christmas party, and we were uh, exchanging socks. And so whatever socks you received that day, we were to wear them today. And so I have some Santa boot socks and tried to jam them my jeans into them. And if you'd like to see Brian's, uh, what is on his socks is not appropriate. Like, it's not rated R. But it's not appropriate for me to say on stage. So it's just a little, like, encouragement for you to have him show you his ankle later. All right? So joy to the world anyway. Uh, Thank you for those of you who are wearing Christmas sweaters today. Uh, For those of you who do not feel like being here, I am grateful that you are here Uh, We are in a series called Joy to the World Anyway, and as the video shows us, there is a myriad of things that can happen at Christmas. Just like when you get pregnant, there are a myriad of emotions. Brian and I were not trying to get pregnant when I realized that my daily fatigue was because I, in fact, was having a baby. Uh, While watching a Dirty Jobs episode with Mike Rowe, where this amazing farmer took cow manure and created flower pots with them called Poopots. As we watched that episode, we did the pregnancy test and the whole thing, and we discovered that, yes, in fact, I was pregnant. And immediately for me, my life changed. Took a couple more months for Brian's life to change when we realized we needed to slow down. Nine months later, life came to a screeching halt after I labored on and off for about 24 hours and then ended up with an emergency C section. And I remember those early days, rocking Callista, wishing her to go to sleep. I remember praying that she would stay asleep long enough in her car seat after a trip back and forth from wherever so that I could maybe throw some food into my mouth. I remember quickly realizing there's a really good reason why exhausted parents sometimes lose their temper, even with tiny, tiny little babies, Brian would do the classic dad trick and in the middle of the night, maybe 2 a.m., he'd put Callista in the car and take her for a drive around Lake Bemidji where we lived at the time. Now, while maybe I didn't choose my sleep or my eating schedule or even the timing of when we were having a baby, I still had a choice about how I would react to those disruptions. Even when things felt out of control with food or cooking, I still had a choice. Even when the most messy disruptions happen to any of us, we don't have control over the situations, but we do have a choice how we will respond. So when your life gets interrupted, and can I just say for a minute, looking out at all these sweaters, it is really something. <laughs> this might be the most colorful Sunday I've ever, I've never, I've ever had. Uh, when your life gets interrupted, or disrupted perhaps, how do you respond? For you, maybe it's a sick kid when you have really big plans. Or when you're facing a deadline and your coworker just needs a minute. Or when you get that text message in the middle of the night and it wakes you up. Now sometimes I can rock an interruption. Uh, The kids often are the interruptions, bless their hearts. Well, yes, I'd love to bring your lunch to school even though I'm on my way to work and you forgot out on the kitchen table this morning. Oh man, if I'm on a Zoom call and they need to come in and talk, you know, that's what the mute button is for. Come on over. Uh, Sometimes when my kids wake me up in the middle of the night, I'm just reminded that that's why I have this lovely white hair. I'm actually sure that because neither of our children slept much, that's why I have white hair. My mouth or my mind doesn't always respond, but sometimes our bodies do, don't they? Sometimes, however, I don't do well like if I'm in a conversation with someone here at church afterwards and a kid comes and tells me, I don't know, they want another candy cane or something ridiculous. Or if I'm on a Zoom call at work in my office and somebody comes in. However, if I'm in rare form, feeling like the Holy Spirit is in fact indwelling inside of me, you often can hear me say, help me, Jesus, when something's happening. And I just talk out loud, in fact, to the Lord, I hope, and not swearing. Uh, Disruptions, interruptions actually found at UC Berkeley, this is of course something that they're researching and people are spending their entire lives talking about interruptions, but at UC Berkeley it says frequent interruptions can lead to higher rates of exhaustion, stress-induced ailments, and a doubling of error rates. I don't know about you, but those three things can sort of sum up the Christmas or any holiday season. Exhaustion. We're totally wiped out sometimes, aren't we? And if nothing else, maybe it's just the visual stimuli of seeing your holiday sweaters this morning can exhaust me. Or we get sick this time of the year. Or we watch our kids get sick. Or it's when we sit still at a green light, which happened to me this week, and I thought, well, thank God I'm sitting still at a green light instead of driving through a red light. Our error rate increases. So we're in the series, Joy to the World Anyway, The very first week, we wanted you to hear that even when all hell is breaking loose, you are not alone. And last week, we looked at King Herod and how when his life was disrupted, he fought back with trying to eliminate the problem or any semblance of problems around him. So today, we want to look at Mary and Joseph and how did they respond when their lives were interrupted. Mary and Joseph, I can imagine a Hallmark Christmas movie. And they're planning, let's say a Christmas wedding. They have hopes and dreams. And let me tell you, the Jews knew how to do a wedding. It wasn't just a few hours. It was seven days. I imagine they had some plans. They dreamed maybe of where they would live, how they would tend a garden, and likely their children, how many they would have if they hoped for a certain number. If he wanted more than she did and how that would all work out meanwhile God had a plan for this family and he had had the plan since eternity God's plan did not probably match up exactly with what Mary and Joseph were thinking about in fact we can see in the Old Testament that they promised that a young woman some interpreted as a virgin would have a baby and so Mary engaged to this man Joseph got chosen now, what's interesting about this story is Mary doesn't go through this alone, which we talked about a few, a few weeks ago, but as I am studying it, she doesn't go through it alone. She has a partner with Joseph, but she also has this amazing cousin, Elizabeth, and the Advent reading mentioned it this morning. Mary's a young woman. She has this visit with the angel. You've probably heard it a thousand times if you've ever been at Christmas. And not only does the angel tell Mary what's happening to her, the angel says, And you know that cousin, Elizabeth? By the way, she's really old. She's six months pregnant with a baby. Now, isn't it just like God to put these two women, neither of whom should have had a baby, together when they're having this disrupted pregnancy? Well, it says that after this encounter with the angel, Mary hears it and immediately goes to visit Elizabeth. Incidentally, it's 70 miles away. I don't know what that looks like when you're young and single and you need to take a long trip. I don't think she probably went by herself, so she probably grabs some people and says, We gotta go see Elizabeth. Elizabeth sees Mary, and I tried to find some amazing art about this. If you're an artist, will you please paint this when Elizabeth and Mary meet? Because there's some really lame pictures out there. Anyway, the best one I found Elizabeth's old, pregnant, and laughing and holding her belly, and Mary's like, you know? Anyway, so paint that for me, April. But Elizabeth sees Mary and says, when I saw you, Mary, coming, the babe inside of me leaped. And the scripture tells us that she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth confirms what Mary has encountered with this angel. Elizabeth, who, from what we can understand in the scriptures, has not seen Mary, doesn't know what's going on with Mary, doesn't know about the angel's encounter with Mary, and yet somehow knows what is going on. Elizabeth affirms that Mary is a blessed woman by what is about to happen, and even though she has not yet been with a man and there's no scientific evidence of how she could be pregnant, she is going to be pregnant with a baby. Now, as our pastor's team got together to prep this, we were reading this story about Elizabeth and Mary, and we decided to call it the first mommies group. (laughs) They had to get together and uh, kibitz about what was happening. So later this week, I encourage you to get the the book of Luke out and read this whole interchange together. We can't do it all with our time this morning. But after Elizabeth and Mary have this interchange, Mary bursts out in song. And we're going to go to the message version today, and it'll be on the screen. Mary says this, I am bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one, look at, one good look at me and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is holy, set apart from all others. His mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. He bared his arm and showed his strength, scattered the bluffing braggarts. He knocked tyrants off their high horses, pulled victims out of the mud, The starving poor sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. He embraced his chosen child, Israel. He remembered and piled on mercies, piled them high. It's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham and right up to now. We could talk a lot about Mary's situation, and how ridiculous it was that she had a baby. We don't know exactly how old she was, we don't know exactly how she responded emotionally inside to all of this. We could talk about how getting pregnant at that age as a single person before they've actually consummated the wedding, how that would have been not great and perhaps uh, an item of gossip around the local watering hole. But what we do know is that Mary says this. Now, Luke, in the beginning, Luke 1, he's writing to Theophilus, and he says, hey, you've heard about this Jesus guy, and I want you to know that everything you've heard is right. And do you know how I can tell you that? Because I've interviewed people, and I have eyewitness accounts, and I'm going to write them down. So Luke 2 is part of this. And I can only imagine Elizabeth and Mary were some of Luke's witnesses. And if they weren't, it was somebody in the household or someone who saw this. So Mary bursts out in song. Now, if I had been in Mary's condition, or let's think about how I responded when I got pregnant, either time, actually, my first response maybe was some bit of joy and happiness, but then, honestly, and especially with Elam, when we got pregnant, I was like, oh, man, we're going to miss Urbana. Urbana is this missions <laughs> conference, and it's this wonderful thing and staff get to do every three years, and I was bummed, wasn't I, that we were going to miss Urbana, because I did the math, you know? Mary, however, focuses on God. This is an amazing song, and we're going to talk about how history has continued to use it as a praise song. She says that God isn't threatening her order or her plans or her control issues. Instead, she's like, God is holy. God is strong. God takes care and writes things that are wrong. God has chosen me, and I'm blessed. That blows my mind. Lord, I'm so glad I get to be a virgin, pregnant, having my first child. I'm so glad my fiancé, I have to explain this to him. I'm so glad I get to tell family members from time on in time, yeah, actually, yep, I was a virgin. This is the Holy Spirit's. This is not Joseph's or whatever. I am blessed. It also talks about God giving mercy upon mercy. I love that, the wave language, the piling up language of the message. She also talks about how God makes things right, the things that are wrong. The hungry are going to get fed. The callous rich maybe need a wake-up call. Tyrants who are prideful, thinking they're in control of everything, God knocks them down. One book I read this week talking about this says God is shifting the center of power through what's happening with Mary With Elizabeth but also with the baby Jesus so Mary has her life interrupted disrupted and how does she respond the more traditional version says for he the mighty one has gone has done great things to me I'm bursting with God news anyone who's been pregnant that is funny that the message says that it's written by a man by the way I'm about to burst I'm bursting with God news okay little little pregnancy joke there for everyone now many of the interruptions that we might think of are maybe not god-ordained uh, the snowstorm you know getting COVID in the middle of fill in the blank activity the lost jacket or particularly all the spam text messages we got during the election but our responses are still important and isn't that part of the lord's will is how we respond to all the things that happen because we live in a broken world. However, how much more important is my response when what is happening and might be disrupting my life is actually the Lord's will, and I better pay attention. Now, Mary, this happens. She gets pregnant. It is the Lord's will. How do I know, though, Lord? How can I be sure? I'm going to visit Elizabeth. Yes, I had this encounter with the angel, but I am going to go to someone else. Someone of faith, because we know that from Luke. Someone who has her feet on the ground. Someone who understands how God works. I'm going to go hang out with her. And what happens is, we then get woven into the storyline of Elizabeth. And not just Elizabeth. When we look at Mary's song, it echoes, kind of weirdly with Hannah's song in 1 Samuel. So stick with me for a minute, okay? 1 Samuel, there's this amazing prophet, Samuel. Samuel helps King David. He's instrumental in Israel's history. Samuel was born to Hannah. Hannah, at one point, really wanted to have kids, couldn't. She goes to the temple. She's pleading. She's praying. She's hoping. She's wishing. God gives her what she wishes, which is a son, And then Hannah gives the baby up for the service to the Lord. And that man, Samuel, changes history. When Hannah is praying in the temple, this is her song. My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord is my, I'm sorry, in the Lord, my horn is lifted up. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. Scholars and I. Agree that when you read this song in 1 Samuel, it is so parallel with what Mary says. So, what does that tell us? Mary knows the story of God. Sometimes we say Mary is just this kind of random average girl, and boom, God showed up and blessed her. Yes, but she was also, I think, a woman of faith. Yes, this was a disruption. Yes, this was not on her plan. I am sure that she didn't in some journal write down, I hope someday that I can be impregnated by the Holy Spirit and bear Jesus. But when she interacts with the angel, you see her response, and I think that can only come from someone who has faith, who maybe is familiar with a God who creates life out of nothing. Therefore, what is too hard for the Lord? Why couldn't he put a baby in my stomach? With there any, without any scientific reason for that. Why not? Let it be unto me as the Lord says. I am the Lord's handmaiden. Mary wasn't just some ordinary girl. She was a person of faith. She had habits of opening herself up to God. Likely, she heard the Old Testament stories. She maybe studied them. Her family maybe, maybe talked about them. And so when it was time for her to respond to God's interaction in her life, she was ready. Now, one of the things that's interesting to me as I've been studying Mary, which this time of the year, we don't need the internet. You could probably just click on the History Channel or somewhere in there talking about Mary. There's some stuff that goes a little sideways out there, all right? So don't get too nervous right now. But the cool thing is how the Christian church in all traditions... Have gone back to this story, this song of Mary. My soul rejoices in the Lord. I hear a song in my head from the 80s. My soul, help me, magnifies the Lord and his spirit uh, in God, my Savior. Anyway, something like that. I think it's the name of Grant's song. This song of Mary, daily, Catholic tradition, daily. Uh, Lutheran Vespers, daily. Anglican evening prayers, daily. Any of you ever done any prayers of the hours, any liturgical prayers, a section at least of Mary's song, daily, if not three times in the course of morning, afternoon, and evening prayers? Now, I'm not saying some scriptures are more important than others, but there are some scriptures that can help us in a very short period of time, in a very few verses, encapsulate the story of God. Okay, we can't be Mary. Sorry, I don't think God's going to do that again. I don't think he's going to say, it's you. You get to do it again. But how can we look to Mary when we have our own disruptions or interruptions? What is your posture? I think about the story of Jesus, and there were plenty of people that probably heard about what happened with Mary, and they just did, oh, boy. And we could say there are people like that today with Christmas with faith. I don't really know. Whatever. And they either pretend it doesn't exist or they ignore it because it's too complicated or I don't know. Sometimes we are like that. Okay, that's happening, but I'm just kind (laughs) of, I'm going to pretend it doesn't exist. King Herod we saw last week. He tried to control, eliminate, literally murder to take care of what he was, he was having major control issues. I can be like that. I can try to Get hold of a situation and start telling people what to do, and then suddenly I feel better, but nobody else does. I hear my mom laughing. (laughs) Sometimes when the worst happens, we just cut everybody off. We isolate. Or we just get with the few people that we trust. Sometimes we medicate. Merry Christmas, eggnog, I don't know. Hot toddies, what do you drink at Christmas? Brian and I don't drink, I'm so sorry. There's no judgment on everyone else, but I can't make any alcoholic references without sounding like a 12 year old. (laughs) Maybe it's alcohol, maybe it is drugs. Maybe it's Netflix. Maybe it's scrolling through social media wishing your family looked like them and why do they always, when do people have time to do family Christmas pictures? Have you started to see these happening? And it's clear they've done them recently because there's snow on the ground. Anyway, they're probably medicating themselves through those Christmas pictures. (laughs) What if we took a page from Mary's book? Now, I'm not saying the lasagna spills in the oven and it takes you three hours to clean it up last night. I'm not saying, oh, joy to the world anyway. But what did you do? You put music on, didn't you? Because it was on when I got home. What does it look like to worship when all hell breaks loose? I think before hell breaks loose, what are the habits in your life? Are you putting yourself where you're hearing God's story? Are you reading the word? Are you coming to church or watching online or finding your favorite preacher or whatever it is? What are those habits so that when the lasagna spills in the oven, you still were a little crabby, but you, <laughs> but you did okay? What does it look like for you to worship? Is it music? I was thinking one of the songs today said something like um, no words can say this. And I was thinking there are times where I can't even sing it. I can't even say it. There's something in music that gets it for me or art or just standing outside or interacting with a kid. It's not about saying it, but it's about living it. What does it look like for you to worship? Getting involved in community, being in a small group, sitting still, grabbing a Christmas tag, doing something for someone else. The world is going to offer you cheering happiness, eggnog, Christmas sweaters. They're going to offer you all of that this year. Jesus offers us joy that won't let us go. Jesus offers us joy through this baby Jesus in some ridiculous fashion with this young woman, Mary. Even when God sets your plans aside and disrupts what you think is the way to go, we can choose to respond with joy, with worship. And as I said to a fellow mom this morning who has hockey and concerts galore today, yesterday, and tomorrow, I said, hey, let's not jingle all the week, all the way, I just screwed it up. See, joy to the world anyway. Don't jingle all the way, worship all the way, amen?